0: Hi Dreamers, this is Lucy and welcome to another episode of the Self-Made Express with Lucy Jan, where I interview experts from all across the globe to share their inspiring and motivating stories. Today I'm here with Oleg. Oleg is originally from Russia and he now lives in South Korea. He's been living in South Korea since 2016, and his Korean is very, very good. (laughs) In 2017, he participated in the Korean Speech Contest, and he won the Gold Prize. He also won the Silver Prize at the National Debate Contest, and he graduated with a KAIST MBA degree in 2018. Now he's working at Dalio, the crypto finance company in Korea, as a head of strategy. I have so many questions for him and I'm so curious about his journey from Russia to South Korea and his experience living in South Korea as an expat. So welcome to the show, Oleg. So great to have you.
1: Thanks, Lucy. Uh, it's my pleasure to talk to you today and uh, thanks for an opportunity to share my story. How do you know about the gold, um, gold prize?
0: Oh, is it true though?
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: It's true. I need some research.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: <laughs> yeah when i saw that like you know you won this gold and silver prize at this contest like right after you moved to korea i was like wow i need to interview this guy this guy seems very smart so
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm probably not as smart as you think but i'll try
0: <laughs> yeah i mean yeah as i as i mentioned i have so many questions for you today so I, so you moved to Korea in 2016, that's almost five years ago. And what was your first impression about South Korea? Did you travel to South Korea before you actually moved to South Korea or was it your first time?
1: Yeah, all, all right. So I, I want to explain um, because I actually started in 2014 uh, when I came here for the first time. It was just a summer school. And uh, it, it was actually an unbelievable, unbelievable summer for me because my first impression, I was really amazed. I loved Korean food. I loved people. I made a lot of uh, friends and I started at that time. I already started to pick up the language, but it was just two months. At the end, I had to go back uh, to Moscow. And after that, in 2015, I uh, came to Korea again, twice, uh, as an exchange student, one time to Seoul, one time to Tejon. And when I was an exchange student, I I traveled across the whole country, uh, maybe even too much. And at one moment when I was traveling, I I realized I want to stay here longer and uh, maybe try to start my professional career here. Uh, I feel like Korea, uh, and especially Seoul, uh, suits me a lot. Like Korea is one of the most inno- innovative countries in-, in the world, and I'm personally a digital geek. Like I love using new gadgets. I love new technologies. I love playing new games. And uh, so I-, I just felt it's a natural fit uh, for me from the very beginning. Um, so after all that exchanges, I finally settled down here in 2016, as you mentioned and uh, finished last two years of my bachelor here so luckily both me and my brother yes i have a twin brother who is still with me here uh we got the full scholarship to study in kaist master degree um and after that we both studied our careers here he is now working in sk telecom driving investments and i'm uh, as you mentioned in charge i'm in charge of strategy in, in one of the biggest blockchain companies called Delio
0: getting a scholarship from KAIST is 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 just a big achievement because you know for the listeners who don't know what KAIST is like basically KAIST is the best (laughs) university in South Korea a lot of as you said, like tech nerds or geeks are are there, and all those smart people are studying KAIST and getting a scholarship at KAIST. Like, is is I I had no idea about the scholarship. You getting a scholarship, KAIST. So it's a new information which I am very very fascinated fascinated with. So you mentioned that you um, came to Korea in 2014 and 2015, and finally settled in Korea in 2016. In, in 2016, when you finally moved to Korea, did you did you study in KAIST? Uh, right away
1: uh, no no um so we me and my brother went to a university called um Chonnam uh university in, in it's located in Gwangju it's one of the national universities here and uh we also got a scholarship there so that was the reason one of the reasons we moved because we got a full scholarship to transfer and we thought it's a brilliant opportunity because usually if you're a transfer student you you, you can't get a scholarship um, so we thought it's a great opportunity. We could just finish our you know, four years program in Korea doing just two years. So we thought we should take it.
0: Did you plan to like live in South Korea after your study or what was the plan? Like, okay, I'm going to study in Korea and then I'm just going to continue living in Korea, hopefully getting a job in Korea. What was your plan or are you a planner? That's That's a better question, I guess. <laughs>
1: well i I think if you if ten years ago you, you told me that I will be working in Korea and a blockchain startup um, I, I would think you you're crazy that you're absolutely kidding me because I never considered North Korea not even other country i thought I always thought Russia is a big country, and I always thought I, I'll have a lot of amazing opportunities in Moscow or somewhere else so um, when I came to Korea. I, I did change my mind because I could feel that when you stay, you know, when you stay abroad, the amount of things you learn and experience every day doubles or triples. And yeah, you, are, you are constantly exposed to people from different cultures. And, and this new environment um, challenges you in many different ways. And you have to leave your comfort zone. So I, I felt like I'm learning every day and I, I really enjoyed it. So when we had an, an opportunity to move, um, I did not think much. Yes, uh, at that time, I had to leave some opportunities behind, opportunities that I might have had uh, in, in Moscow. Um, but I always know that uh, the door is, is open. It's still open. I can go back anytime. And I also think that everything I do in Korea today is applicable anywhere in the world, not only in Moscow, not only in Korea, anywhere. And I think Seoul is also a very competitive environment. Uh, It helps me to excel myself every day. So it's a great fit for me. I, I felt from the very beginning.
0: When you first moved to Korea, weren't you kind of feeling scared or worried about, oh, what if I'm not, you know... Achieving my career goal that you might have had before. What if, you know, what if I I could have a better career in Russia? What, because, like, obviously, you know, even though you speak Korean, probably you know, it's not your, you know, you're not a native speaker. So maybe you were thinking, oh, what if, you know, there are no career opportunity for me in mm-hmm. Korea? weren't you feeling this kind of? Don't you have any any of this kind of thoughts before?
1: Um, well, I think um, when I just came, because I had experience in Korea as an exchange student, as an exchange student and two times, and um, every day I get up, it was in Korea, it was a different feeling from when I got up in, in Russia in the morning. I would think I'm getting so much new experience in a country so, so different and so, so far away. Um, and I felt uh, it worth it when I had an opportunity to, to move to settle down, and same is the job. Um, I really I actually believe, the professional career is, is apparently one of the most important thing uh, in life. And and when you are young, of course, you want to give yourself a right trajectory uh, for for your future. But I think thanks, I think thanks to my parents and to myself as well. Uh, I try to never put too much pressure on myself. Uh, I knew that whatever I'll do in in Moscow, in Korea, I'll try my best, and one day it will will pay off. Uh, And, of course, for a foreigner in any country, uh, and in a homogeneous country like Korea especially, uh, job seeking is a very complicated process, and you would not be eligible for over 90% of jobs just because you don't have a right visa or because the company doesn't want to even consider hiring a foreigner. Uh, even if you have a great resume or your language skill is, is great. Um, but still, um, at the end, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to start my career here in the industry I, I, I like in the middle of the corona crisis. So I can say I'm lucky. Uh, maybe I didn't plan it uh, and as I said I just wanted to do my best and see how it goes Um, but looking back um, I think if even if nothing worked out I could still do still go somewhere else Uh, I had like last year I had an offer from Hong Kong I had an offer from from England I could go back to Moscow too so in this sense I I knew I speak Russian English Korean Spanish and and as I said, my skills—I I believe my skills that I learned here are applicable anywhere I go. So it it actually gave me additional confidence to stay here and and seek for for the best.
0: I think it really all comes down to self-confidence and self-belief. I think you you knew that okay, like even if it's not going to work out for me in Korea, I I know that I have other opportunities are waiting for me in other countries. You don't really worry that much because you have self-confidence. And I think, you know, you mentioned, you told me just earlier that, oh, I was just lucky, but I think luck actually comes to people who are really prepared. I think you already, you know, prepared for the opportunities. That's why when the luck comes to you, you grab it. So, yeah, I think uh,
1: exactly. I actually think the same.
0: We talked a little bit about challenges that, you know, when you first moved to South Korea and some of the differences, like, I guess, cultural differences uh, you experience. Uh, can you give me some examples?
1: Well, the first thing that ca- comes to my mind, um, Russian people are extremely di- direct. And uh, the, when they say no, it, it's uh, it, it always means no. If they say I don't know, it means I don't know. I don't know yet. I hmm. will tell mm-hmm, you okay. later. But I, I feel like in Korea I, learn, I I really had to learn that yes can sometimes mean no. And if people say I don't know or oh, this is gonna be hard, it means no most of the time. Um it's it means no. Because in Russia if you if you say uh, it's gonna be difficult to meet tomorrow, it means you don't know yet. Like it means the person gonna tell <laughs> you afterwards. But in Korea it always means no. So um I think uh, Korean people are much less direct than Russian people. I had to learn that uh, hard way a few times. Um and another thing that's uh, really different and that still amazes me is how how goal oriented uh, everyone is in Korea. I think I think in Russia uh, you would meet a lot of people who are more Relaxed, who are completely satisfied with what they have, even if their financial position is, is very unstable. People would be still, a lot of people would be still satisfied with what they have and, and would not run around uh, to, to achieve more. And in Korea, it seems like everyone is trying really hard to get to a better place, better university, better job. Uh, so, in this sense, I think Korea is, is extremely competitive in every aspect because people do, do push you similar goals in a similar way. Um, so yeah, I think this, this is the difference I noticed.
0: Okay, that's very interesting. Um, the first one, you know, you talked about directness. Um, well, actually, I agree with you, because, you know, before I actually leave abroad, I was like, more indirect I guess because Korean way oh it's gonna be difficult we don't you know it feels very bad to say no so we're just gonna say oh it's gonna be difficult let me tell you tomorrow but actually it means no but as a recipient okay are you gonna tell me tomorrow what's happening now but then now I've been living abroad for like almost 10 years, and now I be- I realize, I-, I-, I actually see myself way more direct. <laughs> so I-, I always say that, you know, I always prefer people who are direct, because that's simple. You say yes or no, that's simple as it is. <laughs> yeah, of course.
1: That's true. Sometimes it might sound rude, actually, I think for, for Korean people who have lived here for, for the whole life. You meet someone like like I think uh, when you meet a Russian Russian person or in Europe there are a few countries that are very uh, that have very direct culture. Uh, it might sound rude because people would say just no if they don't like something they would say no directly and it might sound sometimes rude. But of course there are advantages as well and uh, clearly if you, if you, if the communication is more direct you you don't lose much time it's more efficient
0: so what do you do now like if you want to say no but at the same time you don't want to hurt other people's feeling then what do you what do you say how do you approach
1: oh i, I am very korean i do korean style <laughs> we <With> both <gasps> koreans and foreigners so I'm 100% okay. uh, adaptive and I use it everywhere now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and whenever how about like when you talk to your friends in Russia, do you like do you do you feel like you're you know you're changing now even th- even when you're talking to your Russian friends or just only to Korean people?
1: Well, I I try to I try to kind of adjust myself to to the person I talk to. But yes, I think I changed. I I tried to to care more about the, the feelings of, of the person. I tried to kind of filter my communication so it doesn't really um hurt anyone. I think I learned that in Korea in some way.
0: Okay. Well, that's that's a very interesting point. <laughs> so and then you earlier we talked about some of the challenges when you first moved to Korea and and, oh, just before that, I have a question about the, uh, your language skill. You mentioned that you speak Russian, Korean, English, and Spanish. You're polyglot, you know, obviously. How did you learn Korean?
1: Um, all right. So uh, the first time I started studying, uh, taking Korean classes was in 2014, uh, right before my first summer school here. And I continued to take classes uh, after my summer school as well. Uh, I took classes when I was an exchange student. Um, And when I came in 2016, I already uh, could write and read and kind of speak at the intermediate level. Um, So, yeah, basically I studied both here. I studied in Russia as well. And uh, I think the time I spent in Kwanju in 2016 and 17 helped me a lot because the national universities, they offer a lot of opportunities to to study language uh, free of charge for international students. That was a great opportunity. And and, uh, in general, you would not have more many people to speak English with. You have to kind of challenge yourself. You have to speak uh, Korean because people around don't understand English. And uh, I think that was a time I, I really elevated my level. So when I came to to KAIST in 2018, uh, I was already fluent.
0: So, um, but even like, you know, you mentioned that you were your language skill was very intermediate even before moving to Korea. So you were studying really hard in Russia, I guess, do you have any tips of learning new language? Because obviously, you've been living in Korea quite some time now, you know how many, how, you know, important it is for Koreans to be able to speak English or <laughs> learning new foreign languages, you, you probably would know, but still, I don't know, it's not very easy i would say even though like so many people we've been learning english since we were young but still not so many people are very fluent in english so but for you i guess like from i don't know 2014 to 2016 within two years studying korean in russia by yourself i don't know like then how any tips (laughs) i'm curious
1: I actually I actually believe the main uh, difference between studying uh, the language in, in the foreign country and in your own country is that uh, in in your homeland you will always me- miss some nuances, some some speaking skills. Uh, you have very little chance to develop as much as if you have stayed abroad. Uh, but um, when we speak about like basic grammar structures, uh that might be more efficient to study in your own country because the language of instructions is your own and overall i just think starting in your home homeland may may lay a basis for the time you settle down in, in abroad so you won't get lost in the basic situations and you'll be ready to to pick up more so in this sense sometimes i think um uh, might work better if you study in your own country, the basic level, just the basic level. Um, and um, one more thing, I, I think when I moved here, uh, I personally think um, having open mind and, and, and being socially active is a natural tool to pick up any language and adapt fast to, to the environment. Because I think most of my foreign friends who are good in Korean, Uh, They have one thing in common, like 90% of them have one thing in common, they are open to new things and new food, and they are very tolerant to other ways of living, and very social, uh, very active socially. Um, So I think it helped me, I have a very outgoing personality, and and when I came to Korea, I started socializing, I started uh, making friends, and that helped me to to pick up new phrases, pick up new language fast.
0: Wow, good for you! <laughs> because I know, like you know, because Korea is is getting, I don't know, because of K-pop, I don't know K-drama, uh, technology and everything. Um, I, I can see that a lot more people, like I have some friends who really want to move to Korea and I know some people who want to work in Korea, but one of the uh, obstacles they are facing is language itself. And also, you know, all those work visa stuff and, you know, if they're going to be able to find a job, et cetera. So how was your job search journey uh, as an expat in South Korea? You You spoke? You speak, well, at the time you spoke Korean very fluently already, but how was your experience?
1: Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, as you started saying, uh, I think obviously there are two groups. We can co- categorize Koreans, uh, foreigners who, who look for a job uh, in Korea into two groups. Uh, one is those who are fluent in the local language and, and the rest uh, are not. And of course... Uh, for the first group, for also fluent, it's easier. So fortunately, I belong myself to to the group of foreigners who don't have this language barrier, and um, so I think I had a bit wider uh, pool of potential jobs uh, I can apply for. However, of course, I still um, did find it challenging. Uh, first of all, this Corona crisis last year when I graduated, um, I think. Everyone experienced that and I myself experienced the situation when the company that already hired me uh, cancelled the offer in the last moment and that was really painful Um, and I remember last year many jobs offerings were were simply disappeared, they simply disappeared, even bigger companies cancelled their recruitment, so it was hard. Um, and I think you mentioned as well, second visa uh, rules in Korea are really strict. Uh, for instance, if the company, if the startup in Korea wants to find, uh, hire a foreigner, um, they need to have a certain number of Korean employees already hired. So a lot of companies are simply not eligible to hire foreigners who don't have visas, resident visas. So this is also a big obstacle. Whenever, doesn't matter speak, whether you speak Korean or not. And uh, I think the third thing uh, we didn't talk about is that uh, still, still many recruiters are biased uh, against foreigners. Um, because they think uh, in many cases the, the risk of failure is big and they don't want to carry the responsibility. Uh, I feel I I would sometimes ask to a recruiter if a foreigner is eligible. Even it it happened only um, not only with small companies, with big companies as well, and they would answer me that oh for this position we do not consider foreigners. So I, I couldn't even apply. Um, and so for me these kind of these three hurdles for me were the biggest. I didn't have the language <laughs> hurdle. It will add up for those who don't speak the language, but still, my visa, biases, and corona crisis. For me, these three were the biggest challenges.
0: Yes, I agree. Because, like... In Korea, we are not really used to hiring foreigners. I guess I really hope it's going to change in the near future, but yeah, I I comparing to Hong Kong or comparing to Singapore or England as you mentioned is is totally different game uh finding a job in Korea. But luckily, well, you were prepared for a big opportunity, so you got your job during this corona. So how how did you like strategically find your job opportunity and how did you really promote yourself or how did you really market yourself? Any, any tips?
1: Yeah, so if, if, if I can give uh, tips to, to people, to foreigners who look for a job in Korea, the first tip is obviously to learn the language because um, and um, try to be confident because being confident in, in speaking Korean, speaking the, any language, it definitely opens more doors uh, for those who want to get a job here Um second uh, it applies to any country I think you have to be professional in your field and I actually think having a couple of years of experience in your own country might be very helpful because it, it's hard to find entry-level jobs in general these days and uh, it's even harder if you're a foreigner and uh, third thing um, I think it might sound actually a bit sad, but I I, I would suggest not to be too picky in in the beginning, uh, especially if it's your first entry job. Um, Of course, it's good to have a certain goal um, about the company you want to work, um, but the entry opportunities for foreigners uh, will be limited, uh, more limited than for locals. Uh, This is a general rule. So... Instead of applying over and over to the same company and getting rejections, uh, it's better to reevaluate re- your strategy and, and sometimes the fastest track to the company you really want to work for lays through another smaller place where you can get some experience and become probably become more desirable person to have for any company out there.
0: fantastic advice I love it I hundred percent agree with that <laughs> and uh... I have no experience
1: see. Uh, I think you can get. Any more tips? Much better than mine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you mentioned that you know we need to be very like profi- We need to really know in our industry. You mentioned that, and for you, it's finance, um, and specifically crypto and DeFi. And mm-hmm. um. Were you always interested in finance since you were young? And did you already know that you were going to work in finance since you were young? And have you already prepared for working in finance? <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, a you know, uh, tricky question because, uh, say, in middle school, uh, in fact, I did not dream of it at all. And uh, I would rather imagine myself being a movie director. I really like movies. I, or a volleyball player. I really like sports. And me and my brother played a lot of volleyball at that time on a competitive level. And these were my hobbies. And, and my family, as I said, they didn't give much pressure about my future career. I always felt like it belongs to me and I can push you whatever I want. So, um but, but yes, um, in a sense, I always had some interest in, in how money works, how banks work, how the money flow, and how does the stock market works. So um, I actually saw a lot of, when I was in high school, I saw a lot of opportunities in, in working in this industry in Russia first. Because, you know, Russia for a long time was a communist country and, and, and um, has started building uh, their financial markets almost from a scratch, just 30 years ago. And, and the market when I was in high school and the university was booming. Uh, the Russian economy was like 10% every year, like Chinese is grow, has, has been growing with the same um, same rhythm. And, and um, it was a very promising field when I went to the university. Um, and I think for crypto and, and DeFi and blockchain, where I work now, I think the reason why I'm now here is that um, the same, I, I just stayed open to to new opportunities in, in this area. Uh, and um, financial knowledge that I had, economical knowledge definitely helps me to, to work now because I can see the existing pain points and, and I know how the existing system works. Uh, so I can see how we can solve it with blockchain. Um, so yeah, it's more like, uh more like i started interest being interested in finance when i was around high school uh simply because in russia it was a hot field at that time but then in finance i found this opportunity blockchain and i thought this defi is gonna change how how things work so that's how i found it and that's how i found my company as well
0: so can I, well, you, you earlier you, you said that you're a very open-minded person, so can we expect you to be a movie director in five years?
1: <laughs> um,
0: uh, hopefully. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: uh, I, I would like to. I don't know if a person who is almost 30 can go back to a bachelor and get a degree in, in how it's called. I don't know. <laughs> In movie directorship and then f- um, find an investor, a producer. Yeah, I, I mean, I would love to.
0: Okay, you're in finance, you will find investors. I'm sure of it.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll try to invest myself and I'll make the most expensive movie myself. Hire the best directors.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, just a couple of last questions here I have. Um, well, for you, you know, you knew that, you know, okay, finance is really in- interesting. And you know that now you're in this crypto industry because it's going to change the world, and you're passionate about it, etc. But there are also a lot of people out there who don't really know exactly what they need to do in their career. Maybe, oh, yeah, I like finance, but oh, like, but what can I do in finance? Or, oh, I like technology, but do I need to be an engineer? All those questions, like, they don't really know what they really like or passionate about. But you seem like, you know, you found something that you're really passionate about and competent at it at the same time. Do you have any advice to share?
1: (laughs) Mm, Well, I think uh, for me as well, as I mentioned, like, I, I didn't know. Uh what to do when I was let's say in middle school and in high school as well i was not I was not quite sure I think if you are sure it actually in many cases it comes from your family and you would feel a lot of pressure and it's not maybe it's not even your idea it's the idea of someone else, and in the end you might uh, actually be um, not be satisfied with what you are doing so um I would I would not uh, suggest to put too much pressure on yourself. Some people, I see a lot of people, let's say, in crypto who studied uh, agriculture in, in, in their bachelor, and they moved, and they are they are very enthusiastic. They're earning a lot of money, and they love what they do. Uh, so they changed completely. And this is also a possibility. I mean, we are living in the 21st century, and I think the set of skills you have to develop are not slain in a particular major the the, the the basic skills you need to have are things like communication things like say languages yeah maybe some hard skills as well like programming but um i, I believe uh, you 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 find what you want to do by trying mm-hmm. by trying different things uh, and and then you know it's not like um, everyone is telling that, that being a doctor is good and, and I'll become a doctor. Like I, I'm actually, I'm envious. Like when, when I see people who found what they like very early and of course, if it's not, as I said, if it's not their parent thing, who found this thing very early and who are happy doing it for 20, 30 years, I, I'm very envious. And I think it's a very rare case actually. Um so but but we always need to know that these kind of people it's rare to find there are very few and for most people it's just trying trying and and seeing what what's what's the best fit for you not only job for everything i think for food as well (laughs) try pibimbap try uh try sundubu and then you'll find out (laughs) what you like
0: sundubu wow your pronunciation was like just amazing
1: <laughs> uh, this, this is the thing that I love uh, cooking at home. Oh,
0: okay. So. Wow. Well, yes, I, I 100% agree. Sometimes just don't think too much and don't put too much pressure on yourself and just go with the flow and take actions. And, you know, execution is the key. And by doing so, you're going to learn um, what you like and just go with the flow. So, thanks for the advice. One uh, well, last question, Oleg. Uh, so, uh, what's your favorite book that you'd like to recommend to our listeners?
1: Okay, so uh, I think in twenty-first century, people ask about the movie, about the favorite game, maybe. <laughs> but we yeah, are we are going very old style, and I, I like it. I I read a lot of books, especially related to my field, finance economics. Uh, uh, probably one piece I would definitely recommend is uh, to our listeners is is a famous. Uh, Social economics book written by Harvard professor called uh, Steven Pinker. Steven Pinker, uh, the book is called Enlightenment Now. So, the reason I I, I picked this book, I really like it because the the author, Steven Pinker, he argues that a common perception that the world uh, is in a terrible shape and things are not improving is wrong. Uh, And and the author says that the life is actually getting better and better, and he tries to prove it. with data that shows that health, prosperity, safety, peace, happiness uh, across the world is is tending uh, tends to, to to rise over time, and uh, I think this book carries a very positive message that uh, things are improving, improving, keep improving, and I believe uh, this is a true message, and things uh, things are improving uh, in our lives as well. <laughs> I personally like it a lot, and I I think your listeners are gonna like it as well.
0: Thank you for joining us this week. Hope you learned something new from this episode and now you are motivated and fired up to make your dream come true. Make sure to share with others who might need to listen to this podcast because this is something they needed to listen to to be inspired. We never know. Lastly, be sure to subscribe and follow Self Made Express with Lucy John on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I will talk to you very soon. Thanks for being here.